This call is being recorded. Hello and welcome to my show, Searching for Integrity. My name really is John Smith, and I'm searching for people with integrity. Why? Because our country suffers from IDD, Integrity Deficit Disorder. We have as our guest today, John Beamer, who is the author of Our Environmental Handprints, Recover the Land, Reverse Global Warming, Reclaim the Future. John, are you there? I am. Great to have you. Great to have you. Thank you. So it's a great topic you've uh, you've dived into in about what forty years ago it seems. Well, no, about seven years ago is when I started working on this book. I see. I see. Um, maybe that was the forty years of experience and getting ready for the book. Oh, oh. Well, I've been working on sustainability for forty odd years. Yes. Yeah, oh, that's that's something, really something. So I have some questions for you, and I know my my listeners will also uh, have a better understanding uh, of this um, environmental handprints. Uh, one of the items that I looked at is that you have provided 175 proven handprint suggestions. First, let's. Define, if you would, a handprint versus a footprint, and then describe how many there are that you have. <laughs> okay. The uh, footprint is is the starting point. Uh, it's a kind of paradigm uh, that was offered back in the 90s that talks about the resources it takes for any actions that we have. So we all leave some sort of a footprint. The handprint is the proactive things we can do to try to make the world a better place. It can be as simple as uh, you know, shaking hands with somebody and making them feel better, or we can join with an organization and help that organization out, or we can uh, stay with it for a while and be part of a movement and actually change the system. So the nice thing about a handprint is you can you can do more good than the the uh, cost of your being here, your footprint. Well, I think the one thing that I saw, the, the adjective was that it's self-perpetuating. Well, that's, that's a, a good quality handprint, if you will. <laughs> okay. Okay. So if I, um, let's say I, on my house, I put a demand water heater in, or let's say a tankless water heater, uh, and it reduces energy. Well, I can move on, I can sell the house, and that water heater will still be here. It will still be helping the people that own the house after I leave, um, you know, use less energy. Same thing with insulation in the house. Mm -hmm. I plant a tree. Uh, I put a fair amount of effort into trying to do a good job of planting the tree and then it grows up and uh, helps the environment and um, eventually plants more trees. I like that idea quite a bit. I also read that you have uh, uh, 
handprint thinking, which applies to shelter and motion and earth-friendly energy. Um, did that, all this come at once in, in seven years, or did it, uh, was it an epiphany? Well, the, the epiphany was back in, let's say, 2013. Mm -hmm. I woke up one morning, and I realized we as a people have done a lot of great things. We have done, uh, we've got more efficient motors. We've got uh, uh, windows that can keep the heat in. Uh, we've got national parks. There's just a whole lot of good things that we've already done for the environment. And I'm going to call those all handprints. These are handprints that have been done by previous generations, essentially. Uh, so that one morning, I just covered this back of a calendar page with a whole bunch of these things. And I realized that it, they weren't being reported as a whole. You know, occasionally, once in a while, you hear a good news story, but mostly you hear the problems. But the, the the scope of what really has happened and what really is possible hasn't been reported. And that's kind of what I took on as my mission. I see. I see. So it, it goes across the board from transportation to education to uh, treaties. Well, I was reading about your book, and it, um, it, ended, it says it ended up almost as a how-to manual with every chapter ending with a challenge. Mm-hmm. So how-to manuals is not exactly the message I want to leave because uh, it's not like we're going to have this script and the person's going to say, okay, if I do this, this, and this, uh, the world's going to be all better. Uh, every person is in a different circumstance. And so what I'm suggesting at the end of the book is that we take five things or so and say, let's work on those five things. And those five things would be right for your circumstance. So if you're a parent of a young child, reading to the child environmental books and helping them understand the, the values that are associated with being a good steward is, is a handprint because they're any values that they grew up with, they can uh, use to choose a career and or vote and or maybe even run for office. If you're an executive, then let's look at what your company's doing. Uh, let's make it more efficient and, and um, more friendly to the environment. Um, if you're a retiree, Let's look at, you know, what, what kind of organizations can you donate to that are making a difference? So there's just so many different ways. These mm -hmm. are all what I call handprint opportunities. Mm -hmm. And yes, yes the, I did come up with 175 of them, um, <laughs> but I don't expect you to, to remember all 175. I'm kind of asking at the end of the book, pick five. And maybe pick four that are in the book, and one one that's your special pet thing that you that I didn't even discover. Well, I, well, I was going to ask you about number one hundred and seventy-three, but I thought that that'd be a reach. <laughs> <laughs> um, how how does this material 
um, do? Is it doing now in terms of the school system and children you know, learning about these things? Uh, and aside from they ought to be in school versus the, they ought to be at home. Um, there's a lot of mistakes I think uh, administrators and parents have made this past year. Um, but given that it's it's we're going to reach some point of no, being normal. How effective are the schools in this in this with all this? Well, I think of the schools as one aspect of our lives, uh, and I'm not a teacher, so I want to be careful about um, you know judging and and telling teachers what they can do. I have observed a few things. One is that certain teachers take uh, wait for what's called environmental literacy. You know, there's a whole realm of things that people can learn about at various grade levels. And there are, um, there are organizations that promote environmental literacy and, and organizations within the various states. So I'm all in favor of that. You know, so let's have a graduating high school have some sort of environmental literacy. Pennsylvania does a per particularly good job of that. Uh, they're very organized about it, and, and it's included in their final exams and things like that. Um, but uh, Oregon has a law that's an outdoor, outdoor education, what is it, outdoor school? Anyways, it's basically a week in the summer uh, for fifth and sixth graders to get them out, get them exposed to the environment, get them get their hands dirty a little bit with the idea that they'll get comfortable exploring the environment and learn a few things while they're at it. Um, so that's actually um, you know, part of our school system. We voted on it uh, as a ballot measure. So one of the handprint opportunities, if you're not in Oregon, is to help get such a thing passed in your state. Mm -hmm. Well, some 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 would say you're going to have a a tough road to hoe. I don't know. Um, well, I I think you know it, at the end of the day, how many people do you need to make a difference? Well, it varies a whole lot where you're at, uh, but there's a lot of logic that says you know like 20 percent or or 30 percent is is way more than enough to actually shift the momentum, the people that actually do something. So yes, it's a tough road to show, but, but uh, we don't have to um, solve, you know, convert everybody. We just need to get a critical mass of people motivated. Mm -hmm. Developing a core, I would imagine. Um, yes. I, I see that you're yeah. a retired energy conservation consultant. Well, and go ahead. Is that right? <laughs> well, not exactly. Uh, I am retired from my main job, which was um, in energy efficiency with a large utility. And I then as a follow-on sort of career, I took on organizational development consulting, which is actually the process kind of thing and system kind of thing relating to um, how companies work and how they can do better and work with their employees. And 
a component of that is the efficiency relating to Earth-related things, you know, like energy. Uh, but I don't limit myself to that. I see that you have a certificate, and it's a certificate in process-oriented psychology. Help me with that yeah. one, would you? Yes. Process-oriented psychology is, is, is developed around the idea that we can, the symptom is kind of a clue as to the as to how to resolve the circumstance. Uh, another way of looking at that is um, the flow. It, let's let's look at your your situation of um, what's happening on a given day. Uh, you wake up, you're a little grumpy, you're worried about something. Well, you pay attention to what you're worried about because that might be the clue as to what you need to work on that day. Well. That's kind of a personal thing, and, and we can look at it, and we can deal with things like that can create symptoms in your body that uh, that are very nasty, and so we want to deal with what's causing those symptoms. I kind of like to look at it in terms of what are the symptoms in our society and what are the causes of that and how do we deal with those causes. I'll give you an example. Uh, we have people that seem to be um, needing to have cars uh well most people want a car they feel like they have a right to it if they have enough money they have the right for it to it you know a nice car um that's not entirely a shared thing around the world um where does that come from well one way place it comes from is this whole founding of this country on on liberty and independence um so okay so we people in the United States tend to have this value that we're born with, literally, because our parents, you know, raise us with this value. So telling people they want to get rid of cars is maybe not, you know, to get rid of cars is probably not going to deal with it. Uh, right. Telling them to get an electric car is probably going to avoid the problem of independence that's underlying the cost, cause of cars. Um, maybe I made that too complex, but that is that's an example of an underlying situation that really is driving us and until we start dealing with that, we're mm -hmm. not solving the problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I noted that uh, you actually walked the Keystone XL pipeline from Alberta to Nebraska. Is that right? Yes. Um, Again, with a slight qualification, I was part of a group that did that, and we alternated shifts. So there was a morning shift and an afternoon shift. Uh, the morning shift would walk while the afternoon shift uh, found a campsite, and then the afternoon shift would walk. So I didn't walk every mile that way. I walked about half those miles. Well, still, it's quite uh, quite an endeavor to do that, uh, I would think. It was. What, what and, and, happened know, at the, the end of the walk? What's that? I said I didn't mean to interrupt you. What happened at the end of the walk? Was it when it was finished? Did you? Uh, besides well, I, congrat I think, congratulating each other. Yeah, uh, I think the the story is in the walk, not at the end of the walk. We had a ceremony at the end of the walk where we all. Um, 
talked about our deeper inner feelings and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for instance, one of my best days of the walk was when I crossed the Platte River in Nebraska because it felt like we had done, we'd passed most of the major hardships. And we still had another, what, three weeks to walk or whatever else. But there was this feeling of joy that happened right there that was, you know, palpable. Um, one person, you know, was dealing with the fact that she got upset, you know, and she was apologizing for that and, you know, understanding that this thing is bigger than our personal emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt really good about the whole idea that uh, even though we had some challenges amongst ourselves, we really connected very well with the people we met along the way. And, we, you know, we did our job well of being ambassadors and listeners. What is a compassionate earth walk? Well, this was led by a Buddhist priest. And so compassion is one of the principles that Buddhists work on a lot. Being compassionate Mm -hmm. to the earth is important. So from her perspective, every step of the way was a prayer, a setting of your foot on the earth and offering your prayer for the earth, for, for humans and essentially to treat the earth with respect, to help heal the earth where the humans have um, caused harm, left it polluted, that sort of thing. I think your book as a whole has got some great reviews. And actually, in, in, I think the book was just launched uh, a week or so ago. Is that right? Right. Yeah, terrific. Congratulations. You ought to be uh, in the kitchen banging all the pots and pans. <laughs> well, we did. Uh, it actually, the, the book actually arrived on my birthday, uh, April 26th, uh, and I'm thinking to myself, what a wonderful birthday present, <laughs> and it was just a few days after Earth Day, and so what a great way to, you know, celebrate Earth Week. Absolutely, absolutely. That's terrific. Um, what do you think about your book? Tell me, tell me what you think about your book. Should it have been bigger or longer or wider or uh, talked about this or wrote about that? Tell me about it. Oh, well, I will start with the idea that when I submitted it, you know, we're hunting for a publisher and that sort of thing. I, I had 31 chapters. And the publisher had one basic request. She needed it to be 70,000 words because that's what... Um, that's what, you know, she was able to sell to libraries. So their market is libraries. I had to go from 31 chapters to 21 chapters. Mm -hmm. Ah, so how do you do that? Well, first of all, the good news is they weren't telling me how to do it. I had to do a little soul searching on my own. So one thing is I took the chapters out that were kind of outside of the realm of what an individual could work on. I have a beautiful chapter on treaties, you know, international treaties. But, you know, it's a little hard for us to influence treaties. Um, And I also uh, took out three chapters on directly spiritually related stuff. Um, 
the impact churches have on religion uh, on environment and that sort of thing and you know the movement within churches to um you know make the better make a better place here and i've got nice information on that my wife said well you know there's your next book so maybe i'm going to be doing that <laughs> but i really made sure that the one that you've got in your hands or at least i hope you will have in your hands is uh, is very practical and very accessible to every walking person. So the only treaty that is mentioned in that book, well, I won't say that. The, the main treaty that is mentioned in that book is the um, Paris Climate Action Treaty. The, mm -hmm. the, all the other treaties you know, about cleaning up the oceans and around the world and things like that uh, take, take a back seat because, oh, maybe we can't do that much, that much about it. With, with the Paris Climate Action Accord, we can come up with our own personal climate action plans and be kind of linked with that. We can ask our cities to uh, go for 100% renewable energy. Uh, we can ask our uh, states to uh, have plans that uh, reduce fossil fuels by certain years and that sort of thing. And a lot of states are picking up on this. So um, what's my point? I think that's a, that particular tree is a big deal and we all ought to at least know what we're trying to do as a world. Well, um, I read here and I, and I agree with this, that, that readers should be inspired, informed and ready to go. Um, yeah and that's that's with with one hand on the on the book and the other one uh, pointing the direction <laughs> they want to go in which is forward well, yes yes uh and i think the you know the bigger challenge the, there's several challenges of course everybody has a challenge uh one is to actually think that you can do something so my uh, book is a direct uh, statement. There are 170 some ways you can do something. So let's let's skip across that idea. I can't do anything. Now the question is, uh, what is my motivation to do something? Why, you know, what do my values tell me I should do? And uh, I'm hoping most of your listeners have basically a caring value about the earth and their fellow human beings and about the future and about, you know, our grandchildren and so forth. So um, I'm appealing to those values to say, it's worth a little of your effort to take this on. Um, and then maybe have people have a kind of a attitude. Um, I'm thinking in terms of investing. Uh, this is not, you know, 50, 50 simple things to do. Some of these things are easy and some of them are hard. But I think of in the terms of investing in your community and nonprofits and in uh, your callings in relationships in the land, you know, like planting trees in companies mm -hmm. that are actually doing good, like B, B corporations, benefit corporations. So if you think in terms of this is part of what I'm here for is to invest in good things, then it's a matter of just finding out what works for you. Well, each individual is going to have to determine that on their own, or at least from from a group yeah. interaction. 
I do a little bit of coaching at the end of the book, but right, you know, to, at some point, what can what are you willing to take on? What do you want to take on that you've not been getting around to? Um, and I have my own little list of things. Let's see. Mm-hmm. Um, I took me forever to, to to go to paperless bills. You know, you know those the, right. those bills that arrive all the time. It took me years yeah. to do that. Finally. Finally, I wrote that down as one of my five things, and I've and I've got around to it. Uh-huh. <laughs> now I actually want to write a nice article for a national magazine to relating to this kind of thing. That's on my to-do list as going forward. Now, uh, that's kind of hard to do. Maybe it maybe it'll take a bit of research and finding a magazine that'll work. But uh, if I don't set an intention, it's not going to happen. Right. Right. John, if you would uh, tell tell my listeners how they can contact you and where they can buy your book. Yeah, basically it's available online at online booksellers like uh, Books a Million, Indie Bound, Amazon, uh, and you can go to my website uh, www.johnbeamer.com. That's J-O-N-B-I-E-M-E-R. And it provides links to those various uh, booksellers with, you know, with my book showing up in those links. So that's the way to find the book. Well, it's and that's not hard to do in these days today we have. I uh, had a a statement here that I wrote at the top close, and I'm going to read it. It's uh, about you, uh, author and consultant. John Beamer partners with people and organizations to create personal, economic, and environmental sustainability. He brings to this calling organization development experience, process psychology skills, and engineering practicality. And uh, uh, and that was in big print, too, because it's a big statement. I'm glad you were with us today and participated in in educating my... uh, my listeners, uh, I know I learned from it, and I'm pretty sure they did too. But thanks again for joining us, John. Thank you. And uh, for me, I uh, get to thank my, my listeners as well. Um, and for tuning in to Searching for Integrity. So long and happy trails to all. <laughs>